0: Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Jesus appearing to Muslims in dreams and visions. Now I know that that seems that might seem weird to you, but uh, we just did a show the other day on miracles, and I've been wanting to cover this topic for a long time of Jesus appearing to Muslims because... Uh, several years ago when i first became a professor at trinity college of the bible and theological seminary we had a student who showed up 2 months late for graduation our on campus graduation and it's because he had trouble getting out of the african country that he was uh, where he lived and so finally when he did get out he was just too late but he was still going to come he was committed to coming and getting his picture taken with us with his cap and gown and all of that and so i hung out with him a little bit took him out to eat he went to church with us on sunday and he told me These amazing stories about Muslims coming to faith in Christ uh, out of a, a Muslim context because of Jesus appearing to them in dreams and visions and serving as an evangelist or at least someone pointing the way to someone who could give them the gospel message. And I was really interested in that. I had heard a little bit about that sort of phenomenon, but I didn't know if there was really any good reason to believe that it was really happening. And here in front of me, I had an eyewitness who was actually testifying to it having happened with people that he knows. And so it was an amazing, amazing thing. And so I've been wanting to cover this topic for a long time, but I've never really found the right opportunity. Well, recently we did a video on miracles and highlighted some stories that were in uh, Lee Strobel's new book, The Case for Miracles. And I thought, this is probably a good time to do something with the the uh, appearances uh, with Muslims. And someone told me, like, you do realize that that Strobel goes over that in the book. And I'd only read the sections on the particular stories that I wanted to cover and I thought, you're kidding me. Well, fine, then this is a great time to do it. So uh, I, I thought I'd jump in. And um, interestingly, uh, Strobel highlights this issue and talks with a man named Tom Doyle. Tom Doyle is a graduate of Biola University, and uh, he, he was a pastor for many years, but he went to Israel and he heard about these sort of phenomenon, and now he's got a passion for uh, telling telling about what's going on with uh, Jesus appearing to Muslims and just trying to reach Muslims in general. General, and so here we're going to look at some video. We're going to look at some examples. Please stay with us to the end because this is, I think, going to be a very powerful uh, story, a very powerful uh, chunk of evidence for the truth of the Christian message. And even if you think, yeah, but you know, I can explain some of those, or I there's, you know, I don't. This isn't highly evidenced in the way that I would like it to be. Well, if it was one or two cases, that's fine. But what we have here, I think, is these experiences, these testimonies come from such a geographically spread out group of people who had no prior exposure, many of them, to Jesus as the Bible expresses him um, that that there's there's a cumulative effect here that I think happens. If it was one or two stories that's fine, but there's a cumulative effect and we're going to see that not only do we have uh, a Christian author that's talking about it and a, uh, a Christian minister who's talking about it, all seminary educa- a seminary educated minister, but also a, a, an academic we're going to look at here before it's all done talking about this uh, phenomenon that is happening. This is something that's happening in the world right now. So if you're going to try to explain away Christianity, this is a piece of data that you've got to deal with and you've got to handle on top of the miracle evidence and on top of the resurrection case and on top of the philosophical arguments for God's existence and everything else. Um, It's just stacking up to make a really strong cumulative case for the truth of Christianity. Um, And so... um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna check out what Strobel has to say. Here's here's what he says when he talks to Doyle. So he says when I asked Doyle when he became aware of the phenomenon of dreams and visions among Islamic people, he recalled the first time he visited Jerusalem and met with a group of Muslims who had converted to Christianity. One of them, Rami, said he had been a fervent Muslim. When he started to have dreams about Jesus, he said they were different than anything he had ever experienced. Often dreams are fuzzy or confused, but these were bright and laser-focused, and they kept coming. What did Jesus tell him? He was a man in a white robe, and he told Rami that he loves him. They were beside a lake, and Rami said he saw himself walking over and embracing Jesus. How did you react? Doyle chuckled, I didn't know if Rami was nuts or what, he replied, but over and over from a variety of different people, I started hearing the same basic story. Jesus in a white robe saying he loves them, saying he died for them, telling them to follow him. It started to snowball in Iran, Iraq, Syria, all over. There were even ads placed in Egyptian newspapers. Now, this is amazing to me. Uh, Strobel says, I looked up from my note taking, what kind of ads? They simply said, have you seen the man in a white robe in your dreams? He has a message for you. Call this number. In other words, so many Muslims were having dreams that Christian ministries started placing these ads to reach them. This is an amazing thing to me, and it testifies to how widespread this thing is. In fact, let's just go to Tom Doyle now. This is him on the screen, and let's hear what he has to say
1: specifically about uh, how many stories there are. And God is doing that. He's waking Muslims up with dreams and visions. We see it all over. I was in Gaza, and I was with this guy, Mohammed. He he runs this little crummy hotel. It's the only place we can stay, and bullet holes all in it from the wars and that. But a small team there, and I said, Mohammed, he's a a good guy. He's a a peace-loving Muslim. He just happens to live in Gaza. And I said, Mohammed, you know, um, have you heard how God is honoring your people? And he said, uh, no, the Muslims, you mean? I said, yeah, he's lifting them up. He's just, he's doing amazing things among Muslims. He loves them. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, Jesus is coming to them all around the world. Muslims are having dreams. They're having visions. Jesus visitations all over. Muhammad, name a country, a Muslim country. And he said, Iran. I said, okay, I'll tell you a story from there. So I told him one. I said, name another one. He goes, Iraq told him a story from there, a Jesus dream story. And then he said, how about the West Bank? Told him a story from there. When I got done, Mohammed's looking at me. He's about 30 years old. This guy has a tear in his eye. And he looked at me and he said, Tom, I got an idea. I'm going to pray that Jesus comes to me in a dream. I said, dude, I'm praying that with you. I am. So listen, guys, when you see the ticker tape and you see Gaza, let that be a reminder. Would Pray for Muhammad in the Gaza Strip, okay? He needs Jesus. He's open. Pray for Muhammad. We, well, and Muhammad's like the most common name, so that's going to cover like half the
0: Gaza Strip. <laughs> okay so uh so there's tom doyle talking about it. he's like wherever you want to go you want to go to iran you want to go to iraq you want to go to syria you want to go to gaza wherever you want to go we've got these stories they are incredibly widespread so much so that you could put up a billboard saying if you've seen the man in white contact us he has a message for you so this is an amazing phenomenon that's taking place in fact don't just take tom doyle's word for it uh look at this clip which was uh, put together by thomas nelson when they were uh uh in promotion of of tom doyle's book this is the, but i once you to notice what this particular woman says in a moment.
1: Islam is the final frontier for the church. 1.5 billion Muslims desperately need to hear about saving faith in Jesus. There's a revival happening. There's a great harvest among Muslims as they're beginning to be open to Jesus through dreams and visions about a man in a white robe. They've seen a man in a white robe, his face is glowing, His uh, like there's gold coming out from him, or you know, like gold shining coming around him. A lot of times they don't see, or they don't say, we've seen a face, but we saw a figure, and uh, he came to us, and he, for example, one woman would say, he, he told me that he loves me and he cares for me.
0: I saw a dream, and I saw in my dream, I saw Jesus was a bridge, I decided. Come
1: to him.
2: In the church, if you ask how many people how people came to Christ, listen to this. Eighty percent will say they saw him in a dream.
0: 80 percent will say they saw him in a dream. This is how widespread this is. You can be skeptical and that's fine, but at some point the the cumulative effect of this, I mean don't take my word for it, just go research it, just go check it out. Um it's incredibly powerful. Now, um in fact here, I want you to see this other story uh, from Strobel talking to Doyle, and he asked him, give me, a typical, give me a typical example of this. And so he says, he chose a story of what happened to Kamal, an underground church planter in Egypt, and a married Muslim mother named Noir. So you've got an underground church leader, church planter in Egypt, and a married Muslim n- named Noir. He explained that uh, Kamal was busy with his work one day, but nevertheless, he felt God was leading him to go to the Kanal El Khalili Friday market in Cairo. Frankly, it was the last place he wanted to go. This was right before Muslim prayers and the market was crowded, noisy, and chaotic. But he went because he felt 100% sure, convinced that God had a special assignment for him. A Muslim woman named Noor uh, covered covered head to toe in traditional garb, spotted him from a distance and started yelling, you're the one, you're the one. She pushed through the crowd and made a beeline for him. She said, you were in my dream last night. Those clothes you're wearing, those clothes. For sure, it was you. Kamal quickly sensed what was motivating her. Was I with Jesus, he asked? Yes, she replied. Jesus was with us. Later, she explained, Jesus walked with me alongside a lake. And he told me how much he loves me. His love was different from anything I've ever experienced. I've never felt so much peace. I didn't want him to leave. I asked this Jesus, why are you visiting me? A poor Muslim mother with eight children. And all he said was, I love you, Noir. I have given everything for you. I died for you. She said that as Jesus turned to leave, he told her, ask my friend tomorrow about me. He will tell you all you need in order to understand why I visited you. And he pointed to a person who was behind him in the dream. He has been walking with us the whole time we've been together. Now there in the marketplace, Noir said to Kamal, Even though you had walked with us around the lake, I hadn't seen anyone but Jesus. I thought I was alone with him. His face was magnificent. I couldn't take my eyes off him. Jesus did not tell me your name, but you were wearing the same clothes you have on right now and your glasses, they're the same too. I knew I would not forget your smile. The encounter led to a deep discussion about faith that lasted some three hours. I I have never been loved like I was when Jesus walked with me in that dream. Noir told him I felt no fear. For the first time in my life I felt no shame. Even though he's a man I wasn't intimidated. I didn't feel threatened. I felt perfectly uh, I felt perfect peace. Kamal explained to her that religion will never bring that kind of peace. That's what Jesus wants to give you, Kamal told her. Before he went to the cross Jesus said peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. You will not, you cannot find peace like that with anyone else no one but Jesus even has it to offer now this is incredibly interesting because he says not on that day he answered she uh, he, he asked her did she come to faith in Christ um, Strobel asked she, he says not on that day she's counting the cost even as Jesus himself said we should so this is an interesting phenomenon not only is that amazing an amazing story but uh, there's this there's this secondary phenomenon that you need to be aware of where these people, the, the commonality is they don't convert immediately. You know, if someone was making up this story, they they just converted. They came to Jesus. They don't convert immediately. Jesus points them to something. Jesus points them to someone who's going to share them the truth, share with them the truth, or somewhere they can get a Bible or something like that. And then they see the gospel. Then they hear the gospel, and then they accept. And it sometimes takes days or weeks or months. And so uh, you might say, well, that, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Not to a Bible-believing Christian, it's not. Not to a Christian who studies their Bible because, and this is an amazing thing, it is actually a mirror effect of what we see in the pages of Scripture. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, now don't tune me out just because I'm reading Scripture here. Because for some of you out there, you criticize and you say, why don't these things that happen in the Bible happen now? Can I tell you something? We had a video on miracles the other day. Uh, We saw it there, and now we see it here that these things do still happen that happened in the Bible. Um, Here's where uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, the story of Cornelius takes place, and this is what it says. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Then down in verse 23, um, in the meantime, Peter has this uh, experience uh, that that has to do with um, dietary stuff and also the gospel going to the Gentiles. And it says in verse 23, Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with Uh, with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Now listen closely. Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remember your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter begins to preach the gospel to them. It's an amazing story. And what I want you to notice about it is it reflects what we see in this story. Uh, there, there's there's an appearance in a, in, in a vision, and then the uh, person who, who is looking for the truth about God sends for someone or goes and finds someone who's able to give them the gospel message. Oftentimes, I'm challenged by skeptics, and I have several videos where I go into this, where people say, well, what about people who are born in nations or tribes where they never hear the gospel, and uh, how does God judge such people? Well, the simple answer is I don't know for sure, and there are several options available to believers about how God would deal with such a person. But one thing is for sure, this is how he dealt with Cornelius, and it matches perfectly how he's dealing with uh, the people who are testifying about seeing Jesus in dreams and visions. I think that's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, you might think, yeah, but this is this is all uh, just, you know— uh, stuff that's testified about by people that I can't go check out. Well, that may or may not be true in every case. I encourage you to look at the literature on this. You can research this for yourself, as I say. But when it's so widespread geographically coming from all these different Muslim countries, and it's there's so many commonalities, it's, again, there's a cumulative case here. Now, if you're a Christian out there and you say, uh, and you're the sort of Christian that would say, yeah, but, but what if someone claims to have a dream or a vision that seems to contradict what Scripture says? Aren't they can't they claim they have some kind of new revelation that goes at odds with Scripture and 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 uh, and that sort of thing? Isn't that a problem? Well, that would be a problem. So now what I want to do is I want to turn to our academic source for this that I have for you. Um, this is the website or the blog of Adam Harwood. Adam Harwood is a friend of mine. Uh, I'm in a book that he edited that is available through Whipfin Stock called Anyone Can Be Saved. And uh, Adam Harwood is a professor of systematic theology at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and in, in this article he covered: Does God speak today through visions? Uh, does God speak today through visions and dreams? And I think he presented this at a conference. It may have been the Evangelical Theological Society, or maybe at New Orleans Defend Conference. Uh, but he points out where a lot of these uh, stories, a lot of uh, you know credible sources that talk about these stories, and he, he says, "Hey, if you got a problem with dreams and visions." Um, just know that we have plenty of evidence in the Bible uh, that there are dreams and visions where God spoke in the Bible that way. God spoke to Jacob in a dream. God spoke to Joseph through dreams. God spoke to Pharaoh through dreams, which Joseph interpreted. One of the three Hebrew words, which is translated into English as prophet means seer because some people had a vision such as in Isaiah, Amos, Asaph, Gad, uh, Heman, Edo, and uh, Jaduthun. Daniel was an interpreter of dreams, and God spoke to him through visions and dreams. The birth of the Messiah was announced to Joseph by an angel. The Magi were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod. Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. Later, God directed Paul's ministry through uh, a vision of a man from Macedonia. God spoke to Peter through a vision of animals lowered on a sheet. That's in the story that we just read, but it was the part that we skipped over. These are only some examples. The Bible is full of dreams and visions, but he wants to make clear, here's what I affirm, and here's the safeguard against what some who are Christians who might have a problem. Uh, This is the safeguard here. He says, I affirm the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. Every word of the Bible is fully inspired by God. The Bible is the primary means by which God instructs people. Um, Thus, those who want to hear from God should read, study, listen to, and meditate on the content of the Bible. The need to judge any supposed vision or dream against the truths already revealed in the Bible. If God speaks outside the Bible, then he will always speak in accordance with the Bible. The necessity for people to hear the message of the gospel in order to be saved, as Paul asked, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach to them? So he's saying, uh, Harwood is saying here, listen, the fact of the matter is that when uh, y- these things may happen, a dream or a vision, it has to be in accordance with Scripture. If it's from God, it will be in accordance with Scripture. As we've seen, what's happening with these Muslims with their visions is in accordance with Scripture. Um, because we, we we put that as our, as our authority here, right? But he says... Uh, and this, how can they hear without a preacher? Hey, God sends to those who are open to it. And so this is a powerful thing. And understand something about Adam Harwood. He works at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, which means, you know, this is a Southern Baptist school. And as a lifelong Southern Baptist, I can tell you something about Southern Baptists. Most of them are a little skeptical about stuff like this. Uh, the, some of them will be really excited about it, but especially in the academia, they don't want to be getting into stuff that might feel a little too charismatic. Uh, that's why you'll hear people joke about, hey, I'm, I'm not exactly a full-blown Baptist. I'm a Bapticostal because I do believe in this, kind of, this. You'll hear people say things like that. And so Harwood, systematic theology professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and even he is willing to say, yeah, um, you know, uh, I think this stuff is, there's something to it. So that's all very interesting. But now what I want to go to is why dreams and visions? Why is that the way that God seems to be dealing with these Muslims? And now we come to talk about the story of a man named Nabil Qureshi. Nabil Qureshi, was a Muslim convert to Christianity. Now in his case, he had actually already been exposed to the biblical message about Jesus. He had been exposed to a Christian apologist and had, uh, he knew what we had to say about all these things. But he would, not, he would not allow himself to accept and trust until he received something like a dream or a vision. Why is that? That's very interesting. By the way, Nabil died two years ago, uh, very young. I think he was in his 30s. Um, but uh, uh, he died, um, I, I think it was stomach cancer, some kind of cancer. Most of the people that you know in the apologetics world, your William Lane Craig's, Mike Licona was a personal friend uh, with him, uh, 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 David... Um, um, David Wood was a close personal friend and a part of his testimony. You know, a lot of the people you know know, uh, knew Nabil. Um, so, so uh, he, he's he's just an incredible, incredible guy. I wish I'd gotten to meet him, and I do look forward to meeting him one day. But he died two years ago. So, um, I want to I want to go to him now, and he'll explain here on this episode of the One Minute Apologist here uh, why it is the case that Jesus would speak through. Um, uh, visions and dreams to Muslims. Why is that important?
1: Here in the States, we're hearing stories about Muslims who are getting saved by having these dreams or these visions. Is this stuff true? I mean, come on.
2: Absolutely. Across the Muslim world, one of the things that Muslims believe is that they receive messages from God directly through revelation. In fact, Muslims only believe they can hear from God through revelations. They don't believe that they can have a communion with God in any kind of way that most Christians believe they can speak with God. And so when someone is in real turmoil, they'll ask God for dreams or visions. There's actually a prayer that we used to pray when I was Muslim, called istikhada, where we would ask God to give us a dream to answer certain questions for us. There was a survey done out of Boulder, Colorado, an informal survey which asked former Muslims who are now Christians, what percentage of you have had dreams or visions which led you to Christ? And 70% responded affirmatively. I myself, when I had seen all the apologetic issues and realized the case for Christianity was far stronger than the case for Islam, realized I had to hear directly from God if I was going to make such a step to remove myself from the Muslim community. Hmm. So I poured myself out in prayers for God to give me a dream. And he gave me a vision and three dreams, which led me to Christ.
1: Amazing.
0: So there you go. That's the story from the One Minute Apologist. And that's that's Nabil explaining why this is how Muslims look uh, for God to clarify things to them. And so at this point, I want you to hear a bit of Nabil's testimony, because it is specifically uh, pretty powerful. so uh, so let's, let's take a look now. I'm not going to show you the whole thing, just the portion that I think is important to what we're talking about here. This is, this is powerful. I want you to listen to this with an open mind.
2: I was at the foot of a hotel bed, and I had prayed. I had prayed and prayed to God, but this time I had prayed with the most humility that I had ever had. I broke down. I said, God, I don't know. I can't know. My eternal life is on the line. I ask you to tell me what the truth is. Provide me a vision. Provide me a dream. Anything. And that night when I had prayed it, my father was in the bed next to me and I was in my own bed, this was in a hotel room. He was already asleep. There was a little bit of light in the room but as soon as I prayed that, everything went dark and there was no more light in the room. And there before my eyes was hundreds, maybe even thousands of crosses. I was looking at them and I was wide-eyed. And just as soon as they had come, they had gone. And I knew what had just happened. I had received a vision, I didn't want to believe it. So I looked up to God and I said, God, that doesn't count. <laughs> I said, that can't count. That could be my eyes playing tricks on me. Subconsciously, I might want to believe in Christianity. You know, Seeing a whole bunch of crosses, that's not necessarily the truth. You didn't come down and tell me anything. That can, you know, that's probably a vision, but maybe not. So I said to God, you know what, God, forget I asked for a vision. How about you provide me a dream? Any dream, and if it confirms what I just saw in my vision, then I will become a Christian. And that night I had a dream. It didn't take weeks, it didn't take months, it didn't take more than a few hours. If that, he gave me a dream that night. It was me standing at the threshold of a, a door, a narrow door. Not in the door yet, just outside it. My toes are, are at the line of the door. It's a narrow door, so it's about three feet wide, just wide enough to fit me and probably about six to seven feet tall, just tall enough to fit me, and about the same depth in length. Just, uh, so it's a doorway, not just a door. At the other end of a door is David, my friend, sitting at a table. And it's a round table. And within that room are hundreds of people, all sitting at tables. And there's food laid out before them. And they're all getting ready to eat, but they haven't started eating yet. They're waiting, as if for a speaker, to come and start whatever it is, a speech, a session, to shut the door and start speaking but they haven't started eating yet and I look at David and I said to him I thought we were going to eat together and without turning back he says to me you never responded that's all the dream was me at a narrow door saying I thought we were going to eat together and him at a feast saying you never responded I woke up and I immediately knew what that dream meant that room was heaven that room was the kingdom of God and I was standing right outside the door I was not in yet, because I had not responded. God gave me a dream that was so clear that I did not have to interpret it. But he was even more clearer than I had anticipated. A few hours later, I called David and I said, David, I had this dream. And he said to me, I don't even have to give you my opinion on it. That's right out of the Bible. And I said, what? And he said, go to Luke 13. And I went to Luke 13, verses 20 through 29, and you read it. And it's the people asking Christ. They said. He Will many people enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, Many will try to enter, but few will be able. Make every attempt to enter through the narrow door. And people will be standing at that door knocking. And that's exactly what happened in my dream. I was at that door. The door had not been closed yet, but the opportunity to come in to that feast was still there. I just had to respond. At that point, I kind of knew what I had to do. I realized that Islam probably was not the truth. That God was really pulling me. Even though I didn't want to be pulled, I was kicking and screaming, he was pulling me towards the truth.
0: All right, so you can see how it goes from there. But that's that's Nabil's story. It's an amazing thing, and even to to his death, you know, he, he continued to believe that till he till he uh, got the cancer and, and died. He he never recanted this Christian message, and um, it's an amazing amazing story that I think uh, is really powerful. You might ask, well, why don't why, you know why dreams and visions in the Muslim world? But okay, I see that that maybe that's how God communicates to them. But uh, how about more dreams and visions here? You know, uh, Lee Strobel asked Doyle in the book, I gesture toward Doyle, you were educated at Biola University and Dallas Seminary, both quite conservative in evangelical institutions. Did this dream phenomenon challenge your theology in any way? Now, the reason that you might ask something like that is because there are certain theological perspectives that, that, uh, that don't allow for this. He said, well, I was skeptical at first, or at least aren't hospitable to this. He said, well, I was skeptical at first, he said, a listening and nod from me, since I felt the same way. I thought, Lord, why is this happening? But as I processed it, it began to make sense. In what way, Stribble says. The Western world doesn't need dreams and visions. We have, an, we have easy access to God's word. But it's estimated that 50% of Muslims around the world can't read. So how are we going to get the scripture to them? And 86% of Muslims don't know a Christian. So who's going to share the gospel with them? So what I, so what I want to do to close this out is I, I actually want to, um, I said something like this before in the last video, in the miracles video. I want to say it to you now. I know that I have a huge atheist skeptical audience. And so here's, here's what I want to say to you. For the Christians, be affirmed in your faith. Um, you know, let, let this be a, a, a powerful piece of evidence that you can share with others. I want to say a couple of things to the, to the, to the atheists out there. Uh, number one, is we're starting to see this cumulative effect. You've got the arguments for God's existence. You've got the resurrection case. You've got the miracles that we talked about last time. You've got near-death experiences. You've got the, uh, the, the Jesus appearing to the Muslims. I mean, how much, at, at some point, these are things that are happening. Many of these things are happening right now in the real world. How much is it going to take? Uh, here's, here's what I want to say to you specifically who are listening. I know that there is a knee-jerk reaction to start thinking of how you're gonna type your comment out or what you would say to me if you heard me say this, if you were standing in front of me to rebut all that I'm saying. I'm asking you not to do that. I'm asking you right now to consider the truth of that. What if this is true? What if this is really the case about the nature of reality? Because I'm gonna tell you something. I get letters somewhat regularly from people who become Christians after watching one of our videos or who were doubting and now they're not doubting anymore, they're more firm in their faith. So I have to believe that in the thousands of people that watch our videos, and I don't know how many will watch this video, but it will be hundreds and it could be thousands. Here's here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe that someone or several someones that are watching this right now, you know that deep down in your heart, I'm not, I'm not a prophet, I, I don't know for sure, but based on the statistics that I have in front of me, someone out there, you know, that this is true. You know that God is pursuing you. You know that the evidence is seeming to point to the truth of the Christian message. what I'm asking you to do is rest, stop running, stop fighting it, and uh, trust the Lord and turn to him. So well, I didn't get a dream or a vision. Yeah, well, me- not everybody does. but I don't believe it's a coincidence that you're watching this video right now. I think you're hearing this message because there's truth in it. And I think it's affected you. And I think it's time for you to stop running. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to send me an email at uh, uh, braxton at trinityradio.org or I just want you to go to some local pastor uh, or both or call a Christian, but here's what you need to do. You just just need to trust the Lord and turn from your life without him to a life with him. That's what we call repentance, turning from your sin. It doesn't mean you're a bad person from a human perspective, but you know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You need to turn to him and trust him for your salvation. And I'm hoping, I'm praying that you'll do that uh, right now as you're watching this video. And I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear about it. Uh, What's stopping you? What's the the fear? You afraid you might look dumb? You afraid? uh, I mean, what is it? Because we've got every kind of imaginable evidence you would want. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I'd love to hear from you. And I'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.